Welcome back to the Unblemished podcast. My name is Katie and I'm the founder of Unblemished and today we actually have a special episode of our podcast for you. Unblemished is a platform for Christian women to share their stories of insecurity and struggle and through the immense vulnerability of storytelling find lasting freedom in their creator. A big focus of Unblemished is the element of bringing creation to creator and creation to creation. The fact that we are all made in the image of God, meaning we all carry the diverse and immense and incomparable image of the Lord inside of us. And a big part of that is figuring out how as creation, we can not only grow deeper to our creator, but also learn to celebrate the uniqueness and differences of creation around us with that is the vulnerability that comes with sharing what we struggle with in our insecurities, but also just celebrating and walking through life together and doing the journey of faith together. A series that we are doing out in Blemish right now is our racial reconciliation series. We believe that as Christians, we have been spiritually reconciled with Christ and that compels us and calls us to the mission of reconciliation with all the different types of ways we can be ministers of that message, including racial reconciliation. In this series, we've been sharing stories from different people, just talking about their experience with racism, their just experience with other Christians in that, how the church can be doing better, how as people, we can just be doing better, and just all of that, the internal, external, and everything included with that. Today, we have a special episode Um, of me just getting to engage in a really awesome and important dialogue with my dear friend Tisha. Um, So I really hope you enjoy today's podcast as we kind of talk about privilege and race and faith and just all of those different dynamics. And hopefully this is an example to you of how important dialogue is, of listening and sharing and just getting to learn someone else's story, someone else's experience and perspective. That really is the way that we get to relate and connect with all the beautiful creation that our Lord God placed on this earth around us. So I hope you enjoy today's episode on the Unblemished Podcast. Hey, Tisha, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited to talk to you. How are you doing? Of course. Well, I'm so excited today to just kind of be talking about racial reconciliation, um, racism, like the work of anti-racism and Christianity, kind of all of those different things. Um, So I first just kind of want to talk to you. I think a big part with these conversations is having like a definition, like a place you're starting from. And so I just wanted to ask you, what racial reconciliation means to you and why you think it's important and why do you think it needs to be part of a Christian dialogue? Definitely. Well, I think if I had to define racial reconciliation, it would be not that everyone would tell the same opinion or same ideas on things because that's what makes us that's what makes the human race who we are is because we all are different. That's the way God made us. He made us black, white, made us Hispanic. He made us all these different things. So I would never want that to wash away. But I think for me, racial reconciliation is like 
understanding that we all are different and we always have different opinions and different cultures and different issues and learning to be okay with that and learning for that to be the new norm. Like, learning for that to be the new norm. Like, okay, like, I, you know, I, my family may run our household this way, but our neighbors who are from India may run it a totally way and that's okay with I'm okay with that. I don't have to try to make them more like me or make them quote-unquote American because the American way is really no way. The American way, we're, we're a big melting pot. That's who we are. So I think, like, you know, that's clear. I, mean, I think that's the recognition is just realizing and accepting that we're different, you know. So, yeah, and it's important. Of course it's important because you know, race is the race is one of the main reasons why you know a lot of wars are started or things such as slavery. And I'm not just talking about African American slavery, but any slavery, even slavery that's going on today that we don't know about, or just modern day slavery. You know, things that we can't really see with the naked eye. But it's 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 there because you know we will have this. People have been brainwashed with this mindset that you know to think that they're better when in reality we're all equal we all have the same skin and just the same we all have that so we all have soul and we all have skin and that's all we really are so it's really important to really realize that this the color of our skin and then our traditions that's just the outer layer of us but we all have that same soul and that's why it's so important to realize the importance of getting along with your neighbor you know and definitely the church has to has to has to play a big role I mean I know it's kind of normal or we sometimes we would want the church to stay out of politics and stay out of different things like this like just different things going on but it's important because the church has a big platform you know you know when we have our religion and we know that, you know, God is the head of our life and stuff. And we know that God is, God appoints people. And we go to church because we trust those pastors as, you know, you we trust these pastors as God appointed people. We trust these ministers as God appointed people who he placed inside the church to lead us and to talk to us and teach us because God is not going to talk to, God is not going to speak to us verbally. He has his word is more than enough it's it's our daily bread and we can read and study but certain things i believe that god placed those those people these people here on the earth he appointed them not to say that they're perfect but he appointed them to speak to us and so he could speak through them and so we go into the church and we trust to hear that what these people telling us is in in some ways sent from god so that's why it's so important for the church to um have to have a say in this and to speak on this because a lot of people think I think a lot of I think a lot of us including myself I think we think that our normal lifestyle and our daily lifestyle is 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 okay and it's normal but when the church starts to speak on things that's uncomfortable we start to realize that a lot of the things in our daily lifestyle is not normal and a lot of things that we think is not normal and we have to fix those things 
So it's I think it's really important for the church to always dig deeper and not just on racial injustice, but on any injustice. It's it's it, it's always important for the church to dig deeper because if a pastor is somebody who we trusting somebody who we trusted as God appointed is speaking on it, then obviously it has to be important, right? You know? So yeah, no, that's so good. Definitely a couple thoughts on what you said. I think, you know, we focus, I think even in like the Christian tradition on like unity or that idea of like we're all made in the image of God. But then I think we use that to explain away like our expectation for everyone to assimilate to a certain type of way. But like unity doesn't mean you don't have differences and being made in the image of God does not mean we all are made in the same image. It just, it's a way to say, the image of God is so diverse and so great that everyone who's different is still a bearer of his image. And so, yeah, just like kind of re-understanding what unity means. And yeah, definitely like, I mean, politics, I think we don't have to get too much into politics, but I do think that I don't think Christian, I don't think the Christian response with politics is to not be engaged. I think it should be, no, we actually have the answer and like we're here as Christians to be engaged with the world. And like being engaged means being the first to respond to things of injustice and the first to say, this is not how it's supposed to be. Like we have the hope, you know? And so I think that was so great how you brought those things out. Um, I also want to turn it a little bit into you personally I know we're both limited by our own experiences and speaking from that but I would love if you were willing to share kind of just talking about like what racism has looked like in your life and how it's played a role in your faith journey as well right right of course well personally for me if I'm being honest I'm not going to say that I haven't experienced racial tension and I'll get to it a little bit more later but I'm going to say this first and foremost, I was blessed, God blessed me, and with parents who, you know, God has blessed my parents with opportunities to wear, and, and, and the wisdom to be able to teach me about racism, but me not having to learn firsthand experience. You know, they, they were able to educate me on how to respond to certain things and to do certain things to where I'm not caught up in a battle with someone or a physical battle or even a verbal battle with someone about race. They, they, they were able to educate me that, you know, my side and my, who I, who I am on the inside is beautiful. And it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be who I am. It's a beautiful thing for anybody to be who they are, no matter their race or ethnicity. So they ground, they inspire, they instilled that in my mind and my siblings' minds, and they were able to present me with opportunities to, you know, live in places with different cultures, so where I can see these people and I can experience different things. But on the other hand, you know, life won't be perfect, and I still did grow up in America for the majority of my life, and um, I did experience things, you know, such as I think, I think the hardest part of like racial experiences for me would be things like just going in a store but having to always always having to put that guard up okay let me keep my hands out of my pocket or 
you know, let me try to stay in an area where there are people so people so the store workers don't think I'm stealing or something like that or just making or or things such as, okay, well, I have to go to school but I can't wear my hair how I would like to wear it because it may not be in it and I seem quote unquote appropriate for this school or things such as, um, okay, well, I understand that you know, most of the girls are wearing their school shirts, school skirts a certain way shorter than me. But since I am a black woman and black women are perceived as more sexual, that's a thing. You know, these are just the things where I had to think of since a little girl, like, okay, well, let me cover up because there's so many stereotypes placed on black women specifically. So I had to cover up just so I can feel comfortable or just so I can think that I wasn't making, just so I can make sure that I wasn't making other people uncomfortable. And these are the racial things, racial tensions, I guess you could say, that bothered me the most growing up because it's like I always had to think for, I always had to think to break out of these stereotypes, Mm -hmm. you know, or just even being from where I am. Even being from where I am, um, from New Orleans, Louisiana, and I know that I have a strong accent, but this this is just the truth, you know. If I, when I first moved overseas to Saudi, and I was going, you know, I was in an international camp, and you know, my accent was perceived as quote unquote ghetto, but it seemed cool. But I never thought of myself as ghetto. But the thing was, no, even though many of us had different strong accents in that school. Nobody else was perceived as ghetto. And the truth is, it is because I was a Black girl and I spoke the way that I spoke. So I just think that most of my um, racial or racist experiences had to do with stereotypes being placed upon me, which again, I'm blessed because God blessed me with parents and he blessed me with a community around me even when I was at boarding school he blessed me with a community around me of friends and teachers and um just people in the church growing up with that they reminded me I you know that I have a beautiful soul and just all of the stereotypes placed upon me aren't true and I just have to be grounded in who I am so that's really like my personal, you know, weight that I carried. But, you know, I grow, we grow, we change and we grow out of it. And that's okay because it's just really, it's lessons to me, you know. Yeah. And I think, you know, there might be, I don't know, some people who listen and they're like, oh, well, I'm also like white people who would be like, well, I'm also very careful with my hands in a store or people who are like, well, as a white person, I try to be modest too, you know, and would be like, it's not different. But then I think going back to like white privilege and the fact of like, I may do those things too, but it's a personal decision. And I know I would never be singled out because of my race, you know, like, like just I wanted to like say that because I think re-understanding white privilege like doesn't mean white people haven't had it hard or whatever, but they've never had it hard because of their race alone, you know? Right. Yeah. And even me, like just looking from the outside and when I see, if I see a black person with um a group and this was mostly for the younger people, but you know, for younger teenage kids and that age and, and everything, if I see, um, a black person with a group of white people 
it's my natural instinct to fear for the things that they're doing, you know, specifically teenagers, because, you know, you know, teenagers have that tendency to go out and get in trouble and just do stupid things. But but it's a natural instinct for me to automatically put a guard up and say, man, I hope they understand that just because they're with these group of people, every person is not going to see them as just another teenager because a young black teenager may be seen as a threat or just aggressive, you know, even though he's doing the same thing as his peers or something. And I'm not saying that everybody, every police officer will look at him like that or every authoritative figure will look at that, that guy or that girl like that, but it happens. It does happen. Like I, you know, it's just, that's just, that's, that's nothing I was ever taught. That was just something that I've that I've learned from experience, you know, just being singled out, you know, being singled out as, you know, whatever. It's yeah. just, it's just, I hate that I have to be, well, I don't have to be that way. This is something I have to get myself out of, you know, but it's not like it was taught to me. This is just something growing up and mm-hmm. feeling that tension that's been instilled in my mind it's like okay fear for this and I have the fear for that I don't want you know I don't believe nobody should have to have the fear for anything part of because of the color of their skin you know mm-hmm. but it does happen so, yeah well yeah and I I think yeah it's just something white people don't have to think about we don't have that playing in the back of our minds and I mean not to equate it to gender but I do think there's like a similar frame of reference to provide there of like as a woman there's automatically things like oh I can't go there at night or like oh I couldn't do that by myself like there's things no one taught you to like no one really specifically said in class this is how women act and respond to these situations but inherently I think about things men do not have to, you know, or even like I saw something on Instagram, actually your Instagram about like asking women, what would it be like if men weren't here for a day? And a lot of people said, well, I would go for a walk at midnight. Like I would like just the freedom. Yeah. Live a life, you know, like it was promiscuous wild things that they would do. It was just basic things. I would go for a walk. I would go hiking. I would go walk down the city streets at night. These are you. As a woman, you understand that naturally I can't do this because there may be a man that will try to take me or harass me or. But that's the same thing as as being black. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into this high end boutique and go reach in my purse in the corner of the store. If I'm going to get my phone out of my purse, I'm going to go to the middle of the store where everybody can see that I'm not putting something in my purse, and then I'm going to go in my purse and grab my phone. That's just the things that we have to think about, you know? Mm-hmm. I know. It would be so, so powerful, I think, to just ask that question to Black people and say, what would you do if there were no white people? If there were no, like, you're not, yeah. not all white people are going to treat you a certain way, but you know what right. I mean. And the fact, just, like, not all men are going to, like, attack every woman. But, like, just the idea that it wouldn't be they would go do crazy things, you know. It would literally just be, I would be able to live, like, a life of freedom. Right. Being comfortable. Just being comfortable in my skin, literally. Exactly. Um, So another question I wanted to ask is, like, obviously this conversation is needed always. But it is happening because we are in a very pressing moment I would say the last few months you know there's just been 
uh, a current climate where people are asking a lot of these questions and we're having conversations. Um, but even within that, there's still been a lot of division and resistance. Um, but what have been the most encouraging things to you that you've seen during this time, maybe even sharing like the most discouraging, you know, like where have you been experiencing like, oh, I see some hope or encouragement here, but also like, I'm still feeling very disappointed and this part is still failing me, you know, like just kind of those things that you're seeing right now. I think the biggest encourage encouragement to me would be um, seeing people speak up and out against um, the injustices that I wouldn't have expected. I guess, you know, in the back of my mind sometimes too, I would just think that certain people, you know, people who don't have to deal with this personally, and I'm not saying certain people just to say white people, I'm saying anybody, anybody non-black, anybody non-black who I would have to see, um, it could be a Mexican friend of mine or whoever else. I think you know, just seeing people who I wouldn't expect speak up out, out speak up and out against racial injustices, that's the biggest encouragement to me because it really gives you that reassurance that, you know, these things these things matter. You know, the things that we're speaking about matters. And, you know, that's the biggest encouragement. I think the biggest um I think the biggest discouragement would be just seeing people um who will look at things such as black lives matter and they would you know automatically put this this guard up as no like all lives matter and this and that i don't want to get into that debate about that but i think you know just seeing people who are not hearing hearing it out because it's it's just kind of like if enough if if enough people are saying this and enough people are pleading their cases, shouldn't you try to, you know, just listen and understand what it's about? But I think a lot of people don't think like that. A lot of people just I think a lot of people can be stuck in their own ways and they would just think they they think that they have to go against something, you know, and it's not gonna go against. It's just this is people's lifestyles. We can't choose to be black. This is who we are, you know, or another person can't choose to be Mexican or another person can't choose to be Indian or another person can't choose to be Saudi, you know, like this is who, this is who we are, you know? So it's like, I could see if it was, I could see if it was a personal preference, like I like pineapples on pizza, but it's not, it's who you are, you know? So it's kind of discouraging to see people automatically just put a guard up and say, no, you can't have your opinion. This is what, this is what it's going to be. And I'm going to go against it. So, yeah, but, oh, and the encouraging part, I wanted to bring that up was things like when, you know, when you reached out to me about this podcast and everything, and I know your podcast, you know, I know you had this Christian podcast, but it was very unexpected for you to reach out. It was unexpected for me, for you to reach out to me and say like, oh, I'm going to be speaking about this. And that's something that's really encouraging. That's something that's really, you know, it makes you think about the people who's around you and it makes you really think and make, it really makes you think and think, think and thank God that he placed certain people in your life. 
you know, and you, and you start to see the purpose of why certain people are in your life and around you. You know, sometimes you think they're just friends. Sometimes, like, I may have thought, you know, you're just a friend that I've had from school. But you start to see the purpose of why God put certain people around you. Like, this is, like, clear, clear as a blue sky, you know? Mm, yeah, well, no, and I, I feel the same way about you and being able to just have these conversations is just so good. And I mean, I would say, I don't think either of us would ever say we're experts in anything like, you know, but, <laughs> but we are experts in our experiences right? and our own lives. And the fact like we each, each person is an expert in that, like, and they can bring that to any conversation. And so, yeah, I just love the space and definitely don't want to get into the whole like, oh, there's not that kind of thing. Yeah, but, I definitely. Think, but I do think people love to take the other side rather than actually look at what, because I my take is if you're saying all lives matter, then black lives matter right. is included in that. Like it shouldn't be that's a different opinion. Like it should be that technically is the same thing. Yeah. You, you know, so it's just kind of weird. And I think people just like more of the resistance, you know, right. or people who spend so much energy trying to prove that they're not a racist, right. when it's like, you really could spend that same energy fighting racism, you know? Right. So it's exactly. just, yeah, it's like, if you really weren't racist, then we could fight racism, you know? But anyways, I do think that's a part of the American, I do think that's in that American blood, you know, we were part of the... Um, you know, we, we came over here to resist, like, to resist the British, you know? Like, we came over here to claim the independence and start our own. So I think, you know, just being on this land, it's sometimes it's ingrained in you to just have that way and say, you know what, I'm going to go against it. But that's okay, though, because experiences and actions speak louder than words. You don't really have to speak too loud when you're doing the right thing. And that goes for anything. Mm, wow. Yeah, that's great. I do want to turn the conversation. We both are Christian, unblemished as a Christian thing. Um, so do you want to kind of talk about a Christian response and all of that stuff? And I remember when I did reach out to you and was like, hey, what would you want to talk about in the like racial reconciliation series? One of the things you mentioned about being black in the Christian community is being recognized and not feeling recognized. And so can you speak more on that? Like what you meant by that? And like, what, what do you wish the Christian community did differently? Right, definitely. I think my biggest thing when I was, when I um, responded to you with that is that, okay, I'm putting in the simple term. I'm just going to spit in a simple sentence and then I'm going to explain it. We're black when we're sitting, when we're standing next to, we're black when we're standing next to you at the altar, but we're also black when we go home into our neighborhoods or we go to the grocery store, you know. So I just think that it's so easy to get caught up in that nostalgic, just nice aroma feeling going into the church building when they dim the lights and they do the different lightings and, and they they start playing the piano softly in the background and the and our pastor is speaking about loving one another and just speaking about, you know, just how we're all God's children. It's so easy to get caught up in that and just to, you know, and it's, it's good. It's good because I think, you know, 
that's that's where we realize like hey we all are the same hey we all are God's children you know we're that's that reminder that we need but like people the church not not people in the church because people are the church people have to realize that your brothers and sisters who are black or who are of another ethnicity when they step outside of the church everybody don't believe that we're God's children everybody don't believe that we're equal so it's important for you to stand up for your brothers and sisters even me as a black person it's important for me to stand up for my Mexican brother and sister it's important for me to stand up for my Pakistani brother and sister you know whatever injustice they face that's an injustice we all face because if that's our brothers and sisters and if God is all of our is God if God is all of our fathers then hey that's somebody who's going against our brother and sister so if you truly believe that that's your brother and sister any injustice that's afflicted upon them should feel like it's afflicted upon you like and you know that's just that's just how I feel like I think when we're in the church building we tend to forget that even though some people get to go home to their comfortable lifestyles and cozy homes, a lot of people don't. A lot of people, once they step outside of that building, they have a thousand other things aside from just personal problems. They have a thousand other things that they have to deal with daily. So the church has to put that support there, whether it's small groups or just classes about how we should respond to this or how we should respond to racial injustice in a godly way. The church has to put that platform there so people can be constantly reminded of that because that's our reality. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter how much we pray to God for us all to be equal, you know, just for people to see that we're all equal and stuff, it's it's certain people's reality that they have to go outside and face that every single day. So the church, just as much as the church reminds us, you know, of the teachings and everything, they also have to remind us of the inequalities that happen in any shape or form. So um, yeah. yeah, and it makes me think, you know, like I could talk for a very long time about the American church and how I feel so far away from the original church. But if you read the Bible and you go back to the original church and Acts in the New Testament, what you realize, well, one is the sense of community. That was like the most important thing. But the thing they did, well, also the church wasn't four walls. It was, you know, the whole people, as you said, we are the church. Um, But then also they always made sure everyone's needs were met. That was the whole thing of the church was like a communal, we take care of one another's needs. And I think that's a big thing we have lost. Part of the whole individualism of the American way that we kind of uh, sacrifice community for that in some ways. But as the church, like our nationalism is not really supposed to be part of our faith. Um, But that's a whole nother thing. But also just like, we should be taking care of one another's needs in a practical sense as well. Like we don't tell a homeless person, well, you and me are the same, but then when you go home, you go to your house and they go to a shelter. Like you can't, there still is a practical thing that Christians are supposed to provide for people. And it's the same of like, if there are these inequalities, there is this injustice, like this needs to be a practical action that we take outside of the church's walls. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, you said that perfectly. Exactly. No, I thank you so much for talking about that. Um, and another thing I want to talk about is like intersectionality, which is the idea of that people have these different aspects of their identity, um, gender, race, socioeconomics, et cetera, et cetera, that can create kind of these intersections um, of places that can be for good or for bad, you know, like um, kind of blind spots maybe. Um, so for you, like the intersections of being a black Christian woman, yeah. uh, how does that play a role in these conversations and kind of what space do you wish was provided for that intersectionality? So I think that intersectionality of being um, a black Christian woman, I guess I never think about it specifically because, you know, it's who I am. And just to break it down like that, it makes you think like, wow, okay, I am a black Christian woman. And I think, um, I think one of the biggest things I battled with, like in the church as being a black Christian woman is just watering myself down you know because there is that American church culture and uh, you know we go into church and whether it's the clothes or just the way we interact with each other you know there's just it, it always seems like no matter what church building you go into there's a there's a uh a culture in that church like okay this is the way we do things this is this is what the women do and this is how they dress and this is how they dress during the fall and during the summer etc so things like that so I think one of the biggest struggles is keeping my identity as a black woman and but also like just trying to maneuver that with being a Christian woman too. So it's like, I want to keep who I am. I want to keep my style, you know, the way I dress and the way I act, you know, keeping my quote unquote blackness, I guess, you know, just keeping my, the roots to me being black, but also being grounded in Christianity, you know? So when I go into a church building or if I join a small group and I'm the only black Christian woman there, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to start to water myself down, water myself down just so I can fit in with the culture of whatever, whatever culture is there, you know, like that's the biggest and the most important thing to me. And it's something I speak on that because it's something that I found myself doing before many of times because I moved to many different churches just moving around. It's I found myself doing that plenty of times, but it's something I also have to remind myself, like, you know, like this is who you are. You're very unique. We're all unique. And we should all try to cling to our roots, our cultural roots, whatever they are, and we should keep that no matter where we go, you know? but also still be grounded in Christianity, you know, just to make sure that whatever our roots are, you know, certain things are not like um, clashing with our Christian Christianity grounds. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's so, so good. And I just think like continually asking the question of like, there definitely is a very distinctive like American Christian culture, maybe just Christian culture in general. And I always think it's important to like ask like what is Christian culture because I think like I for me I equate it like going on like mission trips you know I grew up yeah. on the mission field and yeah. so sometimes like 
the question of always, are we here to bring a religion or a culture? Because we're not here to bring like a Western culture. We're here to bring Jesus. And so I think that's just always important to ask the American church. When we talk about Christian culture, technically Christianity is not a culture, even though obviously we develop habits and ways of doing things. But like, it is a religion that goes beyond ethnicity, beyond culture, you know? Right, exactly. That's so. That's good, girl. That is good <laughs> for that mission statement. I think a lot of churches need to put that as their mission statement. We're here to bring Christianity, not our culture. Mm. Yeah, there's already an established perfect culture places. Wherever you go, their culture is perfect to them. They're comfortable the way they are. You know, so you're just bringing, you're just bringing you know God's word who he is and you let them worship in whatever way they're comfortable in that's good (laughs) no thank you I appreciate that yeah no definitely a lot of thoughts about that um but another thing I want to ask kind of going back to the moment or you know the movement we're living in you know I think this is a very I'm excited for the future you know, to look back on this time, because, you know, people are already referring to it, to it as kind of a second civil rights time, you know, so it's exciting to think, like, we're living in that, but also, like, it's not going to be over, because, I mean, racism clearly did not end after civil rights, and it will never end this side of heaven, you know, but again, yeah. it's like working like, to make things better, um, but right now, a lot of people are, that are having those tough conversations are asking that question, like, what now? What can I do? What role do I play? And, like, what is your response to that question, whether it's a white person asking you, whether it's another Black person, you know, someone from any other part of the world, you know, like, racism is not just Black versus white. There's so much dynamics in racism, you know, even in America. And so, like, what do you think needs to be that response or that first step during this time? Well, I can say this. You know, I think looking from the outside in, you you kind of want to ask that question, what can I do? But I think my best answer for that question is just to simply be aware of who and what you're around. Everybody is different. Yeah, when you're looking at races, that person, you know, all white people are white people, all black people are black people, etc. But every individual person has their own history has their own personality has their own soul so I think just being aware of that even for black people for white people like you know they're not you know all white people aren't the same all of anybody isn't the same but we just have to be aware of what we're doing and that doesn't even go for when we're just talking to people you know just you know just to not be insensitive to people and you know people have a right people have a right to feel what they feel and we have to be okay with that we we just have to be aware that every person we encounter is going to be different than us so you don't have to walk on egg eggshells but just be wise in what you say and just like our parents told us growing up think before you speak that sentence is so short but it's so powerful think mm-hmm. about what you say because the, the you know the Bible says look the power of life and death lies in our tongue, so just think about what you say before you say it to someone. Just being aware of that, and even just beyond race, 
just be aware of everything that you do. Be aware of how you treat certain spaces, whether it's littering or anything or just anything or be aware of how you're treating your own body, you know, be aware of just being aware of everything, which it's, it seems like such a simple thing to do, but it's, it's so much more like mm-hmm. it's so much more, you know? Yeah. No, so yeah. I hope that explains that I can't, I, I always, you know, if I hear this question, I'm like, I can't speak for everyone, but I know that's not what you're asking, but for right. me personally, for me personally, that is the best answer I can give to that question because it's just like, you know, I love the people who are in my life. I love everybody who's in my life. And, but I just know different people can just have such strong views and views on things. And other people can just be very nonchalant and just not care. So I just think that's that middle ground of just, okay, be aware of who you're talking to and be aware of, you know, who you're around and what you're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's so good. Another thing my mom always said was, if you have nothing nice to say, like, don't say anything at all. And right. that still that still holds true. Right. Um, and I think, yeah, again, I think a lot of people feel maybe there is also there's a sense of overwhelmingness of like, there's so much to change. You know, right. people who wake up to so many, like just an awareness of, wow, things are so broken in this nation and world, which is not new. Um, and definitely a white privilege is getting to be ignorant to that for so long. Um, but I think like the whole thing is like, we're not, we, one person cannot change everything and one person cannot do everything, but every person can do something, you know? And so I think the first thing is like, okay, who are the people around me? What is my community? who, and then if you realize my whole community is people that look and think like me, then maybe that's like a first step of like, I want to be around people who don't look and think like me. Right, exactly. So yeah, I think just that first of like becoming aware of your own self, your own history, your own role in this whole thing and realizing I'm not going to change everything, but I can maybe change one thing for something, for somebody. Like, you don't have to go work for the United Nations, but just start talking to somebody who you know who doesn't look like you. Exactly what you said. Start small. It's it's big. It's a big thing to do is to start small. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if everyone does something small, we do big things. So right. I love that. Um, a couple last questions. So one, this is just like a fun one, I think, to like dream up. Um, in an ideal world where there's no obstacles, money, differing ideologies, whatever, um, and you could create like your heart's desire, what would the world look like? Hmm. I think in an ideal world, no money, no obstacles or anything it would definitely be, it's very short and sweet. It would just definitely be everybody being successful in what they want to do. So whether you want to be a popsicle salesman or whatever, it doesn't matter. Just everybody being completely successful in in what they want to do. And then everybody living in their truth and their you know, just without harm to people and stuff, you know, just having that godly world where it's like, honestly, 
I think a perfect world would have obstacles, if I'm being honest. Because I, I like to see... I like to see and hear about the stories of people overcoming. Of course, I don't want people to get hurt by those obstacles, deeply hurt. But I think it, I truly believe that it builds character. And I, I think that also can show like how much faith you have in God. Not that you have to prove to anyone, but it definitely helps, you know? Like, you know, I just think if there was a perfect world with no obstacles or anything, we would kind of just, some of us would think like, hey, life is good. It's perfect. What do I need God for? Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's just my mindset. Like, I'm not perfect. Sometimes you could just, I could just get caught in my own ways. But I think having those obstacles and seeing, but the perfect part about the world would be just seeing people get overcome those obstacles by having faith in God, you know, and just, you know, that would just like keep fueling us to go further and further and further and you know, of course, we would treat not only ourselves right, but we would treat this earth right because the earth deserves it. You know, it's our home, like it's our physical home. So perfect world would just be not global warming <laughs> and of course, everything else. Right. No, I definitely get that. And I think, yes, not to like get all on the whole you know, all of that global warming type stuff. But I think just like as Christians, I think a very Christian response, even is even if people want to disagree about climate change, if it's real or not, I think the first thing is, is the first gift the Lord gave people was the earth. And like literally as Christians, like we have a responsibility to take care of what the Lord has entrusted to us. And that is the earth. And so that's just kind of how I view it. Um, like that, that's exactly what the Bible says you know, that's what Genesis starts, God forming this world. So shouldn't we, you know, take care of it? Like our own temples, like our own bodies, you know? Right. No, for sure. And I love that you said in the perfect world, because I think we like to think, oh, world peace, like there's no obstacles, but there is good in the obstacles, you know? So I love that you said that. Um, but again, it's like how we respond to the obstacles is what's different. Um, so lastly, if you wanted the people listening to this to walk away with just one thought, which I know is hard because we talked about so many wonderful things, but what would you want it to be? Mine would be, it would be a personal, like a personal thing, like listening to this, I'm not perfect. I'm nowhere near perfect. And things I say, it's, I don't. I don't study, you know, race in college. I don't study politics in college or anything. But just like you said, you know, just a reminder, I guess, this is like my experiences and this is the things that I've seen. I'm not speaking on anyone else's experiences and I'm not making any assumptions. This is just the things that I've experienced personally. So just like also take that with a grain of salt and um, just I encourage you to dig deeper into the people around you start small because that's the biggest step you could take is just to start small and just look around you and see what you can do see what you can educate yourself on or see who you can talk to somebody who's not like you you know see what you can do and do it because that's the best thing you could do don't just talk about it don't just think about it just do it mm, yes it's like not Someone can't do everything, but everyone can do something. 
I think that's just like a great little motto. Um, well, Tisha, thank you genuinely so much for being on the podcast today. You make me a better person and it's just a joy to like learn from your experience and hear your perspective. As you said, that's really where it starts is just turning to the people next to you and saying, hey, tell me your story. I want to learn. I want to understand. And so just thank you for doing that with me. It means so, so much. Definitely, Katie. Thank you for having me. Just like you said, like it pushes you. It pushes me to go further also because I mean, even though I experience these things, I don't always think about the effect it has on me and the people around me. So I'm really glad that you have me on here to do. I'm really grateful. Thank you for this. Of course. Well, you're welcome back anytime. And yes, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you again to all of our listeners for just tuning into the Unblemished podcast. One of my favorite things about Unblemished, it is a, it is a community. It's not just me. It's not just whoever's sharing their story. It's all of us together. Those listening, those participating, those just out there around us that we get to interact with. And so thank you for being part of the Unblemished community. I'm so grateful for you. I hope you will hop over to our Instagram page at unblemish 115 Check out all of our different forms of media. Um, We have been kind of taking a break from the podcast recently, but we are still putting posts on our website um, and sharing things to Instagram. So please stay in contact with us. Let us know if you'd like to share something. Um, We would love to just provide that space for you to share your story. Um, But again, thank you so much and God bless you.